0: What up, what up party people? It is a damn good day to have a damn good day. This is Ian Lenhart coming at you live from Santa Monica, California. And I just got back from the Planet Home event in San Francisco. This event was put on to bring together solutionists from all over the world that were all working together to create a better world and to help prevent climate change. What was extra awesome about this event was I went solo. I knew one of the people that was speaking, but really I was just going by myself and I had zero expectations. And good things happen to people that take action. So you next thing you know, I am sitting next to the CEO of Burning Man meeting some of the most amazing individuals from all over the world. And I am just so thankful that I went to this event. And I challenge you to go to an event that you might think could be beneficial for you just to see what happens. You never know who you're gonna meet. And if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold to educate aspiring entrepreneurs by dissecting the come up stories of incredible humans by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in life that are making moves to meet my other friends in life making moves to create one giant community of extraordinary people now in episode 56 we have david Melser, and i am fired up about this short but amazing segment david was at the top of his game in the business world as ceo to sports super agent leah steinberg played by tom cruise and jerry Maguire. he worked alongside hall of fame quarterback warren moon and lectured around the globe but something was missing and this multi-millionaire went on a rapid downward spiral that ended in bankruptcy it was then that david realized that in order to revive and thrive he needed to learn to blend spirituality with business the result of this transformation is his remarkably successful venture sports one marketing which he talks about in this podcast david also wrote a book called connected to goodness in which he reveals his proven principles for success that will bring you the same peace and balance that he now enjoys in his business and life david's mantra is make a lot of money help a lot of people and have a lot of fun I can get behind that. On this episode, we discuss how to earn back wasted time in your everyday schedule, the importance of blending spirituality with business, what separates an average marketing company to a savage marketing company, and then using your losses as a catapult to your most treasured wins. As always, you can watch this podcast live on YouTube, and if you find this content valuable, we ask you to like, comment, and share the good vibes. Now, without further ado, episode 56, let's jump into it. We're live with Dave Meltzer. How you doing, man? I'm great, man. I'm excited to be here. Making moves. And dude, your journey is fantastic. It's incredible. Clearly, you've been at this for quite some time. You've talked to some of the most interesting humans, which I think is interesting from the sports world, but also from the business world. And were you always just fired up about the sports game?
1: You know, I wanted to be an athlete, so that's where that interest came from. And in college, when my career finally ended, uh, especially in football, uh, I always had a passion and most of the time it was just as a customer. A lot of people, you know, the world of sports has changed so much. They try to get into sports and they think from the ground up, they have to be involved in sports. For me, the way that I got involved was the money side. I became an expert of being a customer, buying advertising, hiring people to do appearances and speaking, you know, all, all types of things as a customer. As I built my technology career with big sales forces and always learned about, from the customer side how important it is the hospitality the the subjective value the emotional attachment so when i got the opportunity to move laterally as you know as in the phone industry i was CEO see the world's first smartphone and lee steinberg and jerry Maguire offers you the chief operating officer job because i was such i was a lawyer but i'm not a good lawyer i passed the bar but i've never practiced literally i could not pass up the opportunity to try to make a profession or a name and a legacy in sports, and somehow I've managed to make the right moves uh, through bankruptcy and a variety of other things to be back on top of the game.
0: So yeah, circle back real quick. So when you mean that you learned all the other aspects of of the athletes' world, the marketing and all that stuff, does that have anything to do with being an agent for these athletes, or are those two completely separate?
1: So those are separate, and it's interesting because on the agent side. Uh, that's what lee steinberg did and i hired people from lee uh you know literally so i could i was the customer of lee i would hire the athletes you know as he represented them for appearances speaking engagements you know i wasn't an owner of a team so i never negotiated a collective bargaining agreement or salary cap issue but for me i knew how to run a business and that's what lee was most important in. and i love sports and uh that continued over now for decades
0: how has uh, you, since you've talked to so many high-performing athletes as well as uh, business owners, how do they compare, in your opinion, someone that, that, that's at the top of their game, say, in baseball, football, whatever, or is running a $100 million company? What are some of those comparisons, you think?
1: Oh, they're so identical. It's crazy. I'll tell you what they all do. All the greatest enjoy, meaning they have a positive perspective. They, they're grateful for everything. The consistent... These people are, you know, a lot of them have OCD like me, obsessive compulsive people, but they are consistent, man. That's what makes them great. They're consistent every day and persistent. So they have a heart. They're like built like a mule, right? You cannot outwork me. I am not going to quit. And then the last thing and the most difficult to understand is they love to pursue their best, their potential. They don't listen to other people. Right. Other people would love for you to be a copy of what they think. But these are people that are extraordinary. They don't want to be ordinary. So when someone tells them like Tom Brady that you are not good enough to be drafted in the first round or like Warren Moon, that you're not good enough to play in the NFL, those two guys will sit at the top of the Hall of Fame because they enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of their potential, a potential that only they know nobody else is going to dictate.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, especially in today's world too, with social media and how people just get put on blast 24 seven in order to keep that focus and be genuine and be consistent. I mean, it takes a lot of mental discipline.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I created rules for myself. You know, I look at value and time, I've segregated subjective time with quantitative value and subjective value with quantitative time and meaning that times a man may construct. I'm, even this interview, right? I have a 520 rule. My phone calls, my objective is to keep them below five minutes. My meetings or interviews, I keep them below 20 minutes. Why? Because instead of having to say no and not be accessible, I challenge myself to be as productive and accessible in this 20 minutes as somebody that would interview me for two and a half hours right, and people will get the takeaways they need, they'll learn, I'll help people make more money, help more people and have more fun, but people don't do that, and I see the most successful athletes and business people all understand time and value to a T.
0: So you're crushing it in your life and business, You're, you're doing the thing, you're traveling all over, you're traveling with these Hall of Famers, you're making the monies, but you said that in the bio is that things just started going down from there and you ended up hitting bankruptcy. Like, can you walk us through maybe those three months leading to that?
1: Yeah, it was more like two years, believe it or not. So actually, you know, there's three warning signs to my bankruptcy. One was my father telling me I was just like him and that he gave me a jacket to hang in my closet with no pockets because I couldn't take anything with me uh, after forgetting my birthday when I was 10. So it was a traumatic event. At thirty, and I remember vividly at that time thinking my dad is full of, you know, full of it, and there's no way I'm like him. And later on, I realized, man, I should have took heed to what he was saying. The second was my best friend, who told me, "Hey, man, I don't like who you hang out with. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore." And I was like, "Hey, I'm not like those guys. I'm not doing what they're doing." And he said, "You know, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. I should have took heed to my best friend." Uh, and then my wife. Uh, was the final capper two years before I went bankrupt. My wife, as we sat with, you know, a golf course, a ski mountain, 33 homes, Ferrari, Porsche, motorhome, boat, et cetera. Crushing, yeah. Crushing it financially. Coming home, you know, intoxicated and a little bit phased at five in the morning, lying to my wife, tells me she's not happy. The next morning tells me to take stock in who I am and what I want to become or she's leaving. So those three things aggregated together to, Put me on what I call a quantum shift to start living my life of value, of purpose, to be of service to other people, but also quantitatively make what I want so I can help more people. Because I believe you can't give what you don't have. You can't give gratitude if you don't have gratitude. You can't give forgiveness if you don't have forgiveness. You can't give money if you don't have money. You can't give health unless you have health. Like all of these things. So I've changed my focus. In fact, still today, my wife just choked me up the other day because I said, you know, things are going so well you know, I'm doing things the right way this time. And we're just being blessed. You know, what can I do for you? And I still get choked up for her answer. She said, just take care of yourself because if you take care of yourself, I know you're going to take care of everybody. Um, that's at essence taking, you know, people don't get it. They're too afraid to receive. And I'm so motivated because I know that I will take care of, as much as I can, the more money I make, the more people I can help and really help them live their fulfilled purposes and their passions. Uh, so that's kind of where it went. And two years later, uh, the good causes and the bad causes all came together, but here's this cool thing, man. The day my wife told me she was going to leave me, wasn't happy. Uh, I remember lying in bed the next day. I was mad. I was blaming her. Right. I, I was like, are you kidding me? Look at the life I gave her and she's good. like, it was all ego. And then I got depressed. So I didn't get out of bed. I wake up at four, right? So I'm lying there and I stayed in bed for a long time. I couldn't get out. Obviously my wife didn't want to talk to me. And I, uh, watched Rocky and it was just on. I would say universe brought me to him, but I, I'm a sports guy. I literally lied there going, man, he's just getting beaten. Right. And I just remember sitting there as he, I, if you remember rocky one apollo creed just like pummeled him and he'd fall to the ground and then i'd see him look up and then he would get up and he got knocked out again And then he would look up again and then get up and i literally used that and said you know what i just need to look up right i just get, get get my head up if i can look up i can get up and i'm gonna do this the right way and instead of getting pissed at my wife i took accountability and i got pissed at myself and I outlined these things in order to be successful, which ended up in my first book called Connected to Goodness. Uh, I've written four books since, Compassionate Capitalism, Unstoppable, Create the Life You Love. And my new one, Raw hill is uh, Game Time Decision Making, which is about making the key decision of your life to be happy and uh, using sports stories to do it. A lot of people love it, all bestsellers, and just been blessed, like I said, to share my ideas and help other people.
0: It's so cool you talk about just the ego took over i mean that's like the untalked about disease that affects so many people
1: (laughs) yeah some people ask me because i you know pretty well known in the entrepreneurial world with our podcast and tv show and stuff and people like if you could invent one thing what would it be i would say that's easy for me man it's an egoectomy. uh if i could remove everybody's ego wow this world would be an extraordinary place
0: yeah. And your podcast is fantastic for everyone listening The playbook. It's amazing. I mean, the type of people you have, it's, I know you're in the podcasting game. You've been doing this a much longer than I have, but it's so amazing when you connect and just sit down with someone, you're not worried about your phone. You're not worried about anything else. You're just one-on-one talking to that human, creating that personal connection and your whole ability to blend spirituality with business. How, how, how would you mention someone to even get involved in that spirituality method?
1: So, you know, first you got to make a decision that we are spiritual beings having a human experience or are we human beings have a a spiritual experience, right? So if you understand where the spirit is for you and being inspirational is in spirit, uh, for me, the spirituality comes from understanding myself and putting faith into what I want. Uh, I prescribe and support so many different dogmatic religions. I would, you know, just be someone who would tell you that, this, this to me, this, this spirituality, this knowingness, the quantum field that I exist in is directly related to money. And once I made the reconciliation that money is the only currency of the pragmatic world, meaning it's an energy object that you put into the flow in order to shop for what you want. And if you shop for what you want, you'll be happy. If you don't shop for what you want, if you shop for bad things, you'll be unhappy. So money doesn't buy happiness or love but it allows you to shop and shopping will, shopping for the right things will bring love and happiness uh, to you if you shop for the right things. Well, the other realm of spirituality, faith is a currency and faith is the aggregate of am I thinking the right things? Am I saying the right things? Am I doing the right things? Am I believing the right things? Are my personality traits, my characteristics, obsessions and addictions, are they in a trajectory towards my potential? Or are they off of a trajectory that's creating resistance, void, shortage, obstacle, an ego-based consciousness? Am I living in that consciousness? Or am I in pursuit of my potential or a truth-based consciousness? That's where the spirituality comes in. If people, when you put it down to the pragmatic fact, I'm like, look, I don't care what you believe. Say there's no spirituality. You're just about money. Then understand faith. Because if you think the right things, say the right things, do the right things, believe the right things, your personality traits, characteristics, possessions, and and addictions are towards that potential of making a lot of money for you, then you're going to make a lot of money. In other words, put faith in what you want, even though you don't like the word faith.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a buzzword, but it's cool because it seems like you've kind of created this... uh blueprint or your code if you'd say yeah i feel like if someone has that code and they know what they follow it's kind of like if you're a vc and you're you have the specific company you invest in if you can build that code then you can evaluate every decision based on that code which is probably going to make you much more
1: effective yeah and that's why you'll see highly impactful successful individuals in all industries all industries sports business anything you can think of medicine artists every industry They all know their values. So that gift my wife gave me before I went bankrupt to go back and take stock in who I was, to understand my personal values, my experiential values, my giving values, and my receiving values, and making sure every day that I'm codifying and and aimed towards what's important to me, you'll find that these highly impactful people make decisions quickly. Why? Because it's an easy assessment. It's a value assessment. Right. There's no hedging back and forth with ego, fear, void, shortages, the need to be right, the need to be offended, the need to be superior, inferior, the need for greed, guilt, anger, frustration, anxiety. That's a waste of time and money. All I need to do is say, All right, is this aligned with my personal values of health, integrity, character? Is it aligned with my experiential values that I love sports and want to be around sports and I love entrepreneurism. I love to make money. These are the experiences I want to have. Right. And then is it aligned with family experiences? I almost forgot the most important, right. Is it aligned with, you know, spending time with my son, traveling around to do business. And I did, I just came back from a great trip with him and then giving values, man. If what I'm doing is going to impact how much am I giving? Is this aligned with what I want to give according to this circumstance? And most importantly, what I want to receive because I can't give without receiving so is this going to be enough money or is this enough time or whatever it is I want to receive? And bam, you can make a decision within seconds that numbers don't matter. It could be a dollar decision or a million dollar decision. If you know your values and can align those four values, man, you can get decisions made and you're always going to be right. You may learn lessons, right? You may, I learned tons of lessons, but I'm always right. Right. It's Cause I'm always right. If I learn the lessons, there are no failures in my life. I think the biggest funny thing you'll, you'll love this. I just realized uh, the other day thinking, study this stuff. It's so funny. People talk about mistakes, failures. People even like me more because I lost money and came back. Right. They like the comeback story. You're
0: more relatable.
1: Yeah. The coolest thing is, is like, how silly is it? Cause the only reason we're here is to learn. And unless you make a mistake, you're wrong sometimes, or misevaluated something. Unless you do that, you'll never learn anything. i what are you learning if, if you never make a mistake? What do you and we're here to learn. We're here to learn as many lessons that we can and remember those lessons and empower other people with those lessons. But yet there's such a stigma on making mistakes. And it's like, what? Mistakes is like air. You need them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can royally F up the worst you could possibly imagine. And a year later, no one gives, no one cares, you know?
1: Exactly. I still, I mess up every day. I train all these people. Even this morning, I accidentally woke up an hour earlier than I needed to, to get to the airport. I was in Dallas this morning and uh, literally I'm sitting up and I realized that, oh my gosh, you know, I got an extra hour here. And uh someone that's critical about time, my employees were cracking up. They're like, Oh my god, if we did that to you and woke you up an hour early, you'd have fired us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's cool that you got the value base down for everyone listening. It's very important to constantly look inwards. But it's funny, like you mentioned, even if you give someone this blueprint and your code and your guide, sometimes no matter how much lessons you learn, you gotta go out there and fail yourself. You gotta be go the one who goes through the huge challenge in order to learn this stuff. Otherwise, it just won't be a big enough priority and it won't be like ingrained into your heart and soul the way that you feel it when you're sitting there, almost you know, crying your face off, your world's falling apart. Nothing can get worse. You know, your relationship's falling. But now it's like looking back, it's almost like that experience seems to be something that you're grateful for because it kind of was that igniting shift for you.
1: Yeah. I kind of phrased that same exact thing. I love to transcode into simple terms, right? How much pain can you be grateful for? Right, where's your threshold of pain that you can stay grateful, you know? And because if you haven't learned a lesson, it results in pain. And I don't think we train pain, right? We don't train that it is a perception pain, and that we we literally and and you know I'm working even with my own kids of you know it's not entitlement of working on. All right, let's figure out how much you can endure, how many hours can you stay focused, right? Literally, how much you know, can you take that you made a mistake or, the, you know, your boyfriend breaks up with you? I, like, that's a traumatic thing for a 17-year-old, but I'm, like, rejoicing that. Like, can you challenge yourself right now to see how quickly you can get back to, to center? Can you challenge yourself right now? This traumatic event had happened. I have an executive business coaching client whose husband committed suicide, and when his son found, her son found out, he killed himself. That's... Nice. And I and I have coached her, and she's extraordinary. reading a book and all this stuff about it, but she literally l- learned to learn from it and rejoice in what she did have, and have gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration in her life. And deal with how quickly she can go back to center when that horrific, terrible thing goes through her mind, her body, and her soul. You know how quickly can you get back to center and not allow it to cause you more pain, but instead It creates a stronger, you know, like a butterfly. You can just fly higher now because you're stronger because you made it through.
0: Yeah, the appreciation muscle, you know, being able to grow that and flex that and learn that. That's something every one of us struggles with. I don't think anyone will ever perfect that. But it seems that anybody in general that is older learns that much more than someone that is younger because they're always looking at everyone else trying to get to some place that one day they get there and it doesn't make them happy. So it's like enjoying that time with your friends enjoying that time with your clients and we get these serotonin highs all the time with social media with the people we talk to but man how awesome is it when someone reaches out maybe it's just one person and says man like your story helped me so much inspired me like doesn't that that feeling is so amazing it's like a combination of love happiness joy would you agree
1: oh my god yeah i just had it at the airport the guy was just buying my smart water and he looked up and he's like oh my god I love your videos, man. I moved here and he took a picture with me and just like, he literally just moved here to this country and is a huge follower and listens and learns the lessons. And I'm sitting there going, how am I so blessed? Like this is my life. And you know, I've saved, I've saved people's lives. You know, I empower people to make more money, help more people and have a wonderful, happy existence. And that's what my main goal in life is. So that's why I do these 20 minute interviews so more people can share in the blessed, total, grateful, forgiving and accountable way to be inspired all the time.
0: Yeah, let's let's circle back real quick. And with sports one marketing and all your experience in the marketing world in the realm, what do you think it is that separates a truly successful marketing firm that scales versus one that collapses early? Because I feel like one big component is the is the the relationships with the people. Because I mean, there's always new things coming out every single day with tactics. But I feel like those relationships are huge. Could you expand on any of that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I have broken it down into five things that make a successful marketer, someone who can attract people utilizing their brand, the likeness, et cetera. Number one is credibility, right? So you want to go and, and be as credible as you can, which means it be in, it live in integrity. Two is the emotional attachment. You know that people buy on emotion for logical reasons. So the greatest marketing campaigns attach you emotionally to it. It makes you laugh, it makes you cry, it makes you smile, it makes you feel good, it makes you feel angry, whatever. you have to have an emotional attachment to it. And then three, the place that most marketing companies fall down is that everything we do has subjective value, especially marketing. right? You see a Coca-Cola sign on a scoreboard, Quantify that for me, right? Is it worth the 250 grand for that sign or not? It's really difficult to actually quantify that. But what if you studied instead? the quantifiable reasons to put it up there, the quantifiable impact, and the quantifiable capability of that sign, and that empowerment that it gives other people and their capabilities. But put two figures onto those quantifications. Number one, money. Come up with a money number. And two, and this is in marketing, so I know the sales guys will be like, yes, finally. But two, time right? I, the two quantities in which I evaluate things are in time and money. And I put a number of hours and money next to everything that I'm doing marketing-wise because it has to exponentially exceed what I'm paying.
0: Boom. Oh, that's... It's cool, you got everything broken down to steps and systems.
1: Yeah, that's my my nature.
0: How how do you brush your teeth? Three steps, all right, it starts with number one. Don't
1: laugh, in my book, if you read it, I tell people all the time where this all started was I tried to be twice as productive as everybody else, twice as efficient and statistically successful. So I started studying everything that I do every minute, every hour, every day, every month, and even now every year, So anything that I had a repetitive nature to it, every day, believe it or not, hopefully you believe me, as I brush my teeth, floss my teeth, and take a swig of Listerine. What I found was because of the time and how I was focused, on average, it took me six minutes to go through that process. And most of it because I wasn't focused, right? I'd forget if I missed something or I'm daydreaming in the mirror, it's morning time. Everyone's been there. And on average, six minutes. So I literally made it my first goal because that was one of the first things I did is, man, I'm going to do this every day in two minutes. And I actually put a clock down to make sure I could get a healthy brush and floss and and Listerine within two minutes every day. Because when I did the math, four minutes a day was 28 minutes a week, almost a half an hour, almost two hours a month, almost 24 hours a year, simply by being focused when I brush my teeth. That's three full days of work productivity. And I've, you know, I'm a guy who was making back then, you know, at least $10,000 a day, right? So there's $30,000 a year that I could save uh, by brushing my teeth or just spend it with my family and have an extra, you know, three full days of vacation with my kids, all because I don't brush my teeth in six minutes. I brush it in two. So don't laugh about that time, man. I do. I have systems and processes for statistical success, efficiency, and effectiveness of everything I do.
0: It's it's epic. I mean, it's fantastic. Don't miss. Don't don't mistake my laugh for true yeah. laughter. It's it's exciting. Oh, I mean, it's cool to see someone like you that you are. The people like you exist that are that level of discipline. Because I know a lot of people listening to this, they can't even find their socks in the morning, and they're thinking of starting yeah. slow, right? And yeah, here, but lower bar-
1: the bar. Just be consistent. Two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. Don't overdo it. If it, it, it took me years to be this freak. So if you're not the freak you want to be yet, then take and lower the bar. Just make sure you do it seven days a week because that's the way the continuum from the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind works. Consistency Mm. is the key.
0: If you if you could go back to the the young you, say fresh out of college, I think that's a good starting point. And hypothetically, you could have said to yourself, maybe got like, listen up, homie, we got five minutes, and you could have said maybe one, two, or three things that you could have told yourself that could have saved you a ton of time money, headache, heartache, etc. and it can't be I wouldn't say anything because that's a lame no, answer. I, that's not me. What, what I, would I, those I, things be?
1: It'd be real simple. One, live with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration in radical humility. In other words, so be radically humble. Two, ask, ask. You don't ask enough. That's what I'd tell myself. Ask everybody, how can I be of service and do you know anyone that can help me? Ask for help. Three, uh, be a student of your calendar. Study time. You know, going back, hey, homie, study time, time, it, that, that is an incredible thing to control in your life. Study it. And lastly, do it now, right? Do it now. If you can do it now, do it now. If you can't do it now, put it into a do it now folder and prioritize it by what's most important, but do it now. So your four key values, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, inspiration, ask, student your calendar and do it now and be radically humble, which is really the, the outcome of it. Get out of your own way and things will happen exactly how you, exactly how they're supposed to happen.
0: I love the ask, man. That's the biggest thing. We're so caught up in the thought process of reaching out that someone will say no or what will they think about us when truthfully super successful people don't spend too much time dwelling on anything. They're quick fix. They're quick action takers. So take more actions. Take more shots. Like Reach out to the CEO of that company. Who knows what happens? Chances are there's not too many people doing it. So as much as you can separate yourself... Good things happen to people that take action. You know what I'm
1: saying? Absolutely, man. I live by that. And I certainly appreciate this interview, my friend. I look forward to doing it again.
0: Absolutely, brother. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not
1: a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time. Peace.